Well, Pastor Larry is in Arizona visiting family, and uh, so it's my opportunity to proclaim the Word of God to you. I can remember receiving phone calls on Sunday afternoons from Alita's grandmother. I didn't like those phone calls. That's surprising for you to hear that a pastor would not like grandma's phone calls. But she had a question she wanted to ask. We were starting a uh, new church at the time. And uh, then she had done this also in some of our other pastorates. And she'd get down. I mean, she didn't want to know if we had new songs sung. She didn't want to know how much the offering was that day. But she would have this question. So tell me, Paul, did anyone get saved recently? That's kind of antiquated language, I know. But she was talking about the fact that it is the church's responsibility and privilege to proclaim Christ and have people respond. Commit their hearts and lives to Jesus. And so she had every right to ask that question. I wish I would have had this note some of those Sundays to share with her. Mission Church family, thanks for the beautiful flowers, loving support, but especially for your prayers. The last words my 101-year-old grandma spoke were accepting Jesus and uh, repenting of her sins. We praise his faithfulness bringing her into his kingdom. We are comforted knowing she is with him. April, Steve, and Natalie. Isn't that great? Now, I don't recommend to you that you wait till you're 101. (laughs) Most people make their decision to trust the Lord early. Before 12, even. And that's the best way, because that's a lifelong commitment. Well, they asked me to preach, and I decided, okay, what's the worst chapter I can preach on? I found it. Acts chapter 5. The worst and the best chapter. And uh, I've chosen to do that. Today, because we're anticipating a pastor, new pastor coming with us, and uh, be here October 23rd. It's going to be great. Uh, We've had some challenging days. Every church has challenging days. Now, I don't want to, well, I don't even know, I don't want to embarrass your family, okay? Yeah, I I do want to embarrass your family. How many families you would admit it that there might have been a small or large disagreement at your house over something this week? Anybody? Yeah. Yeah. You, You see, that doesn't mean we're not families anymore. That's what families do. Kind of sounds like a Geico commercial. That's what families do. And uh, we're a family. 
The church is a family. I have some questions. When it comes to the church, the people of God, that's you and me, not the building. We know that. It's, it's forgiven fallen folks, you and me. And the question is, what kind of church will we be? As we anticipate our new pastor coming, what will define us as a church? Better yet, let's ask that since we want Jesus to come anew and afresh today. And our question should be, what kind of church does Jesus have in mind for us to be? Whatever your age level, you're part of the church. You are the church. Now, let's see what God's word has to say to this. Chapter 5. Point number 1. They had people, this church did. So they had problems. Let me read it. Now, a man named Ananias, that's verse 1, chapter 5 of Acts. A man named Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira, also sold a piece of property. With his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself and brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. Sounds pretty good so far. Then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit? And have kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land. Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, was it the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied to men, but to God. When Ananias heard this, he fell down and died. And great fear seized all the church. All who heard what had happened. Then the young men came forward, wrapped up his body, And carried him out and buried him. About three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. Because he had two cars. Uh, (laughs) Peter asked her, tell me, is this the price you and Ananias got for the land? Yes, she said. That's the price. Peter said to her, how could you agree to test the spirit of the Lord? Look, the feet of the men who buried your husband are at the door. And they will carry you out also. At that moment, she fell down at his feet and died. Then the young men came in and, finding her dead, carried her out and buried her beside her husband. Great fear seized the whole church and all who heard about these events. And I think this is where I'm supposed to say, and may God bless the reading of his word. But, uh, well, now... You might be thinking, now, Pastor Paul, you rarely get asked to preach. And of all the chapters in the Bible, you could have chosen, you choose this one. Yeah, I did. Because, you see, that's not the end of the story. Sure, they had problems. Have you ever been to a church that didn't? People problems. You're one. I'm one. We have problems. Now, there's a lady here in this church. 
I have had some pretty strong disagreements with. But we've been married on, what, (laughs) 50 years pretty soon. By the way, I'm 70. I turned 70 last Sunday. Yeah. I'm old enough to be a candidate to run for president. Uh-oh. I forgot. I stole some candy bars when I was five years old. When the press gets a hold of that, no telling what will happen. So, yeah, problems. Then think of being a part of this church. Think about being in the youth group in this church. Uh, Jeremy, do the kids have the body bags ready? Would be the question. It's in there. Isn't that what it said? Wow. How would you like to be on the body bag ministry team? (laughs) But I want to just tell you this is a one-shot thing. I really believe that. Or else we'd have bodies all over the place this morning. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, this happened. Well... What was the big deal? I kind of put that question out to our family last night at a party. We have a lot of our parties at Alita's folks' house because Dad is 95, and we begin to see that he's slipping a little bit, and we just don't know how long he's going to be with us. And so I went over to father-in-law sit, babysit, the other day, and I fell asleep watching some football game. When I woke up, he told me the score and everything that happened in the game. So, uh, I asked the question, what do you think about this sin? And my son said, there had to be much more to it than just the offering thing. And I believe he's right. He said that Satan entered in. You see, they had been dabbling in darkness. I, I, I think there was some other stuff going on. And... It even got to the part where Peter said, Satan has so filled your heart that you would lie to God, to the Holy Spirit. So they'd got themselves in a pretty bad predicament. Well, so much for that church. No. Let's go to point number two. They had problems, yet the church grew. Verse 14 says, Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. Hmm. You you see, at first, fear really got a hold of people. I mean, I'd be afraid, wouldn't you? Yeah. And uh, even people on the outside, they got to hearing about this. And uh, must be pretty exciting for people to... Spread the news about what's going on in your church, except in this situation. And, and people were even afraid to attend or get involved. But eventually, nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. That suggests to me that there was more that people were seeing than what they were hearing. They were seeing the authentic, authenticity of Christ in the lives of believers. 
as the weeks were going on, the days were going on, as they would interact. There was something different about these people. They knew Jesus. And it was attractive to them. Well, point number three. The church grew, which led to great resistance. Verse 18 says, they arrested the apostles and put them in the public jail. Heard a question years ago. I was just a young person at the time. But the question was, if you were arrested for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? Ouch. If you were arrested for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? Well, the high priest, the leaders, it says here, they were filled with jealousy. And that's one of the things I've learned from Scripture. How you act depends on what you're full of. They were full of jealousy. Other places we read, the disciples, full of the Holy Spirit, proclaimed, shared, church grew. People were converted. Lives were changed. Wow. Maybe you were an employer. One of the new Christians. Changed life. Came and confessed to something he had done. Said, forgive me, I'll pay it back. Could be that students who claimed they'd done a book report and hadn't read the book. Confessed to the teacher. Said, didn't read the book. Shouldn't get that grade. Oh, I guess that's what I had to do in seminary of all places. Ouch. Yeah. It happened. And I confess because there was a revival going on all through the land where in the colleges. Just a, a response to, to the Holy Spirit. All, of, all over our country. They call it the Asbury Revival. Lives are being changed. People were confessing. And it was exciting. And that was happening here, only they put them in jail because of the resistance. Point number four. <laughs> they had resistance, so they had orders to proclaim. I like verses 19 and 20. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. Go stand in the temple courts, he said, and tell the people all about this new life. Some of the other translations said, tell the people the words, all the words of this life. Okay, let's do it. Let's, let's imagine you've just been released from prison. An angel of the Lord says, go to the temple. By the way, the temple at that time wasn't like here. You know, like a ghost town during the week. You know, the temple was full of activity. It was a cultural center. People were there. That's where you would go if you wanted to see people. And... And, and the angel of the Lord has told you, you know, go and, and, and proclaim all the words of this life. What word would you have chosen? Go ahead and you've always wanted to talk back to the preacher. Shout it out. What word would you have chosen? Freedom. Freedom. Oh, we had a lot there. All of them, you know, choose it. Anything else? Joy, 
hope. Yeah. Can you just imagine what was taking place where where these people were teaching? That's what it says. They went and taught. And they would teach about freedom. They would teach about grace and mercy and forgiveness. They would teach about what it was like to be delivered from darkness. Wow. So, uh, they proclaimed. They shared it. And uh, you and I have that same privilege. Well, number five. They followed orders. Yet they were subpoenaed. Verse 27 says, The apostles were brought in and made to appear before the Sanhedrin to be questioned by the high priest. That was their Supreme Court, by the way. It'll be shocking to you when I say this, but the Supreme Court of our land is not the source of my marching orders as a Christian. Kind of surprising to you, I know. I have to apologize to you young people. Come to think of it, everybody's younger than me. But uh, we haven't done you any favors in recent years. You see, what used to be evil is now good, and what used to be good is now evil. And if it's confusing for folk like Alita and me, you guys must be totally confused. And, and, and that's, that's why you have to go to the Word, the Word of God, to get your marching orders as to what kind of people we will be. And as the political winds blow and decisions are made, And things we thought would never be done have become law. Confusing things. So what bathroom you can use and all of that. Even to the point we question, we're going to have weddings anymore here in our building? I think we ought to have a celebration of Christian marriage myself and uh, avoid all the controversy because I'm not sure as a pastor I want to say By the authority of the state of California, I pronounce you whatever I would pronounce them. So I look to the word of God. And the word of God, God knows some things. This this, this is amazing. This is going to be deep. God knows things that we don't know. That's why he's God. And so here they were. They were subpoenaed. They had to go. Had to show up. Point number six. They were beaten and then released. So they proclaimed all the more. Now, a fellow by the name of Gamaliel is uh, introduced here. He's part of the Sanhedrin, the high court. He basically says, if this is of God, leave him alone. It'll keep going. If it's not of God... It'll fall on his face. So he said, leave him alone. And he convinced them. They called the apostles in and had them flogged. Huh. He said, leave him alone. They called the apostles in and had them flogged. Well, go figure. Anyway, then they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. Huh. Beaten. Released. 
they did what some lady said the other day. I, I, she said, well, shut my mouth. And I thought, good idea, you know. But uh, they told him, shut up when it comes to Jesus. And let him go. Whipped him first, of course. Huh. And I'm asking the question of myself. Perhaps you'd like to ask yourself the same question. Would I speak up in the name of Jesus? Would I continue talking about Jesus? If the highest court in the land said, don't do it. Hmm, come to think of it, maybe they've already said that. Got to the place as a chaplain. Had to be careful about talking about Jesus. I had people say, don't mention that name. Don't talk about Jesus. Talk about higher spirit or higher God or higher good or nebulous stuff. Don't confuse people talking about Jesus. And uh, I had Alzheimer patients that I would deal with. My supervisor told me, don't pray that prayer. You always pray and you're kind of stuck in a rut. You always pray the same prayer, the Lord's Prayer. I said, yeah, but you ought to hear what the nurses say. That's the first time that she's spoken. I never heard her utter a word. But deep within the heart of a little Catholic lady, I would say, I'm going to pray the Our Father. And she would start praying with me. Hadn't spoken in months. How in the world could I not talk about the things of Jesus? And their response was the same as, we must make it as well. Verse 29. We must obey God rather than men. I wish I could tell you there's better days coming, but I've read the book, read the back of the book. We shouldn't be surprised when things go against us and go against Christianity. But we need to make the most of it and speak up and let Christ be known. Oh, you can be creative on how you do it. You can figure out ways and how it should be done that wouldn't offend people, but would have a love to tug to it where they would say, tell me more, tell me more. So they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus. Point number seven. They shared all the more and experienced great joy. Interesting, these verses. The apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing. Because they've been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. Day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. Wow. Now, how would you have responded after you had a good flogging? The word used here is rejoicing. I can think of some other words that are quite natural to my temperament. Griping, complaining, angry. But they left rejoicing because they had been counted worthy to suffer for Jesus. Wow. You see, rejoicing is the attitude that follows obedience. Well, I asked a few questions at the beginning. Let me ask a few questions 
at the end? Am I willing? As part of the church. Am I willing to let God do some spiritual surgery in my life so that I can respond to the problems and challenges that occur in my life in a Christ-like way? We're anticipating the coming of a new pastor. That's a great thing. It's a great thing to ask what kind of church are we going to be. And unless the Lord does some radical surgery, we'll do things the way we we always do things. We'll respond in just the same way that we always respond. And if your methodology is anger or griping or complaining or fault-finding, that's just about me. Unless Jesus does a work within our hearts and lives, we'll do things the way we've always done them. There's some questions that come to my mind. Are there people I need to apologize for the attitudes and actions that I've taken in the past? Were there situations that have occurred in this fellowship, in this church, where I'm not really proud of the way I reacted and responded. Those things happen. And yet the Holy Spirit is faithful to come and say, I want to make Jesus the center of your life and experience, anew and afresh. You see, this is today. I've never lived today before, have you? Because yesterday was, well, anyway, you understand what I'm saying. And I want, to, I want to have some things true of me spiritually that I read here, other than Ananias and Sapphira. Of my response to challenges and difficult situations that would lift up Jesus and would make Jesus attractive to people in my life. Would you stand with me at this time and let me pray and then we're going to have music and you can respond, whatever appeals to you at that At that response time, Lord, we come to you. Seemed like a harsh situation that took place in that early church. In some way, I'd rather it wouldn't happen, but it did. And maybe it did because you want to show us that we shouldn't dabble with darkness. There are some things that we ought not to do, like letting Satan enter in and lying to the Holy Spirit. So, Lord, as we look to the rest of the chapter, we see the power of Jesus demonstrated. And that's the part we want to be true in our lives. So as we close this service, Jesus, be lifted up become more real to us as we partake of these opportunities that are availed to us today. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen.